Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down with Chris Ice, co-owner of Ice Implement, a single store John Deere dealership in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who's making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey and Chris get the conversation started discussing the challenges in the dairy business and the makeup of Ice Implements product mix and customer base. On this episode, my guest is Chris Ice of Ice Implement. And Chris and I have kind of talked back and forth a few times on some different stuff. And, and he's always been a... Uh, a guy that's uh, been out there on the old Twitterverse and and uh, engaged back and forth a few times, so I wanted to grab him and see if I couldn't get his opinion about what was happening in, in the equipment marketplace and what it looked like out there for his neck of the woods. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good, Good to see you. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. So, let's uh, let's start with uh, what who Chris Ice is and what Ice Implement is. Well. Chris Ice would be part owner of, uh, of Ice Implement in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. So we're up in northeast Wisconsin, really close to the lake. So we're, we're about a half an hour south of Green Bay. Um, my, I own half the business with my cousin. So um, we bought it in 2014. My dad had passed away, and a year later we decided to buy it. And um, so here we are. Right on, man. So let's talk a little bit about um – how many how many locations do you guys have? What uh, what's we your crop mix? Single store location. Okay, single store, right on. Yeah. Okay, and then talk to me a little bit about your crop mix and and what that looks like up in your neck of the woods. Yeah, we're, we're we're a lot of dairy. I mean, we have really for us. There's it's basically wheat, beans, corn. Um, that's the main stuff, and then really for us, it's we're, we're primarily dairy, and we're in we're in big milk country, which is been a bit of a challenge over the last four years so um but that's been the biggest thing so i mean I, it's a pretty standard standard mix of, of crop and, and milk producers yeah so talk to me a little bit about that so the the milk business is a, a it is either you have it's either a fat a feast or a complete famine there's like there seems to be no real middle ground in there and no and, no and, and it's right now or really over the last few years it's been getting to a point where guys are we're seeing a lot of small family farms having a real hard time just because milk's been, they're working 24 seven and the milk isn't really paying the bills at this point. So, um, you know, in 14 and maybe even 13 milk was real high and it was, it was booming. I mean, it was busy, you know, and then just like that in 15, everything hit and, and, uh, guys aren't, guys are barely, barely breaking even or not breaking even on their milk right now, which in our area is kind of a big deal that way. Um, you know, if you go a little south of here, there's a lot more cash cropping. We do a lot, we do quite a bit of cash cropping as well, but milk is a dairy is a big deal by us. Yeah. So, how has that affected your overall product mix that you deal with now? So, I'm sure you're probably a chopper dealer. You probably have you know a, a few of those 
8,000 series choppers running around. You got some of the new ones coming out. Talk to me a little bit about that marketplace and, and how do you see it shaping up? Well, actually, on the chopper end, to be honest, we are not a chopper dealer. They, they, you know, and that's got to be 15 years ago, maybe now. I'm, I'm thinking um, they really got it summed down to about four dealers in the state that actually only handle the chopper, the Forge Pro contract. So um, we had always sold three to four choppers a year, um, and they decided that they wanted to consult. Validated down to some dealers, so I actually don't have that big stuff sitting around to try to move, which is not really—I don't really mind that much. Not that bad of a deal. Uh, <laughs> but our our mix is primarily we're big with roll crop tractors, utility tractors. Um, you know, combines is 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 a big deal, but we don't you know we don't sell a ton of combines. I mean, it's we're not in that big that big big cash crop market. You get two hours south of us, and then down to you know I one things like that. Different story. But like around by us, I mean, it's a, everybody's got combines, but there's more custom guys doing their cropping. And so it's not as big of a deal as it, as it, as it is maybe salsa of us, but yeah, it's primarily, you know, uh, utilities, eights, nines, sixes. We actually do a lot of sixes, a lot of fives as well. So, mm-hmm. so when you look at your product mix right now and, and some of the, the, the bigger row crop items, let's start right there. Let's start with row crop tractors. Let's take a look at that. How are your your customers looking at? I guess the best the question I'm trying to ask you is: I'm looking out right now, and I'm seeing the reaction in our business, and 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 what I'm seeing is that 2012, 13, 14, 15 model, whatever it is, whether it's John Deere case, whatever, it doesn't matter. Guys have been sitting on that stuff for three, four, five years, um, kind of waiting for the market to rebound, some cash to come back in, on farm income to come back up, so on and so forth. Hasn't really done that. Um, you know, 20, I look at it 2019, and I kind of see a similar 2018 kind of replaying itself. Don't see a, a big difference in overall on-farm income anyway. Um, but guys have ran their machines with you know the proverbial wheels off the off of it, and now they're down to having to either make some serious updates, you know, when it, when it comes to the reconditioning costs, or they're going to have to take that money and put it down payment on a new one or new to them, yep. whatever it might be. So when you look at your, your product mix and you see everybody that's, that's what's going on out there, do you see a similar thing that's happening or do you feel like, you know, Hey, it's just, you know, it is what it is. No, it's completely similar. I mean, we've, we've, to give you one example, I mean, we've got a tractor we had in our, in a rental fleet, um, that we had, a, we have a canning company that does business with us. We just switched that over here this year and we did leases with them where it used to be a, a canning company rental. Um, you know, we got a 2015, it's not classified as new anymore, but I have a 2015 8295R, 400 hours on it and you can't move it. And I'm looking to take losses on it just to get it moved and you can't even get bites on it. It seems like what I've been seeing is that 150 plus market seems to be tough, you know, especially in the newer, but if you can get down under that around that hundred where we've been having good success, moving good used equipment, but boy, you get one fifty, two hundred thousand. It's just, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And to your point, I have been telling a lot of my guys, a lot of that too. I think the problem is when it does gradually come back, you better be careful what you're looking at because everybody should have fixed things years ago. Right. Um, probably ran things a lot longer than they should have. And now we're going to be the guys trying to pick up the pieces and figure out how much work we got to do on it when we get it back in. So it's not going to be an easy market, I don't think, either when it does come back. Yep. So a trend that I'm paying more attention to it now than I had in the past 
it is it's the product mix of the year not necessarily the machine but the year and i'm looking at the the 18 the 17 to 16 model stuff and kind of watching how it's how it's doing and filling those voids of that late model low hour stuff and then you start looking at you know 2015 i kind of consider to be a, a tweener right now depending on how it's been used and how many hours are on it and those kind of things you're really going to start seeing that machine kind of go one way or the other what i'm worried about is the the 14s the 13s and the 12s all that stuff kind of hitting the marketplace again um when it back in the day when it was the late model low hour stuff we had a hard time moving it and we you know 14 to 15 was a bloodbath and we, and we took that stuff to auctions and everything else now that stuff's going to be coming back in with 3,000 to 5,000 hours on it, you know, depending on what it is. And there's going to be a void that you're going to start seeing between that that 1,500 hours and less. Then there's going to be, I, I feel like there's going to be a giant gap till you get to about 3,000 hours. What's your yeah. what's your thought on that and kind of what do you think? I mean, am I, I'm spitballing here. Do you feel like that's a, a viable trend to pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, We've got, I think what I'm probably a little bit more scared of even on that end of things is that on our end, you know, being a single store, we're not, you know, we're not running 30, 40 tractors through in a year. So, um, and what we're running into now is we have a lot of guys that maybe didn't update. I'm a little more scared about what we're going to get with huge hours on stuff where, you know, years ago, you go back 15 years ago, 3000 hours on a tractor was a lot, you know, guys are complaining about, you know, that, and now three to four to five is nothing anymore. Guys are, guys aren't seeing, but I'm, but I'm, what I'm seeing is more and more guys with nine, 10, 12,000 hours on stuff. And really there's not a lot of market there. Problem being uh, what you're talking about. Also, you get in the 15 to 2000 hour range. What do you do with that? There seems to be a big drop in price. And the problem is trying to tell the customer that they're going to eat that bad it's been a tough conversation to have, but when you look at the market, it's only bearing what it's bearing and we can't really bury ourselves in that stuff. So it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough to tell guys the low hour tractors or where they really are at or where the market's at compared to what they think they want to get for it. So yep. it's, yeah, I think there's a definite void in there with, with ours for sure. Yep. I think that that's, that's the one thing about that trend that I, I'm going to be a little bit cautious about. Maybe it's, it's the, it's the fact of what you're going to see, on that late model, low hour stuff and, and the amount of premium that either you're going to be anticipating that you're going to get or the the lack of premium that you're going to be anticipating on the other stuff. I mean, either yeah. way, you could buy it off way more than you chew on either side. You could either be way too little on one side and way too much on the other. Measuring that and balancing that is going to be a hard, hard thing to do. So what are some of the things that you do when you're looking at equipment and kind of tracking some trends and kind of looking through what you've sold in, in past history and stuff like that? How do you, how do you really put that trend together and, and really start paying attention to what's going on out there? Oh yeah, that I think that's the million dollar question. I mean, it, it's it, what I've been trying to do is just go all go over, look at some history, look at really some auction some auction stuff, and see once hey, what's this stuff been bringing for similar year trackers? Where have they been on there? Because as a dealer, I feel like we should get a, a little bit you know obviously a premium over what an auction is going to get. Um, I think been trying to utilize things like iron connect and things like that quite a bit more um, just to try to get a good feel for hey, where's this market at? What are guys doing? What are guys willing to pay? And I think the more information I can pull, whether it be auction, whether it be wholesale market, whether it be resale market, pull it all together and kind of make your, I, I think you've got to kind of just have a gut feeling on where you need to be with it. I, but I, the other thing we've been doing a lot of is telling my, my sales guys, listen, find some homes. You're going to have to go hit some guys up and say, 
hey, what are these guys willing to pay? Because we can't, we can only trade it in based on what other guys are going to pay. You can't trade it in based on a gut feeling of, oh, God, we're going to get this and then find out six months from now, eight months from now that we're priced way out of the market. So it's not been easy for sure. Right. No, it's been a, uh, we're, and we're the same, the same with us. You know, we're, we're seeing some, um, some areas that, that are a little more steadfast. We start looking at how guys are coming to the marketplace and they're looking to buy certain things. Right now for us, it's combine selling season, you know. So guys are out buying yeah. combines. We're looking at combines. We're doing all the use on the use side anyway. Really looking at that stuff and, and trying to really pin that down and, and, and figure out where that market needs to be at. Um, again, I've, I've looked at so many pieces of equipment here in the last two weeks that my uh, fear of the the 15, the 13, the 14, the 12, and those, it's kind of coming true. I'm starting to see that stuff kind of yeah. fall in. And yeah. um starting to see some some 30 series tractors pop up that have got, like you said, 6,000 to 9,000 hours on them. Um, and, where you know, they've had them since 2009 or 2007 or whatever it was. You know, so they've really kind of bared down on those and, and really and used them. You know, they were like, you know what, it's paid for now. Economy's kind of falling off. I've got a chance to to just kind of keep this thing running and it's going to do what I need to do, so on and so forth. But now they want to trade it in. And those gaps between trade value and, and what a one- or two-year-old piece to replace it with is is, is actually the, the trade difference is, is actually greater than what the machine they're trading in is worth. And that's, a, yep. and that, that's something that I'm having a hard time getting guys to get their heads wrapped around. Um, what, what's your kind of, what's your approach to that and how are you uh, making that work? Well, I mean, I, I, we're just taking everything. I, I've really kind of looked at it and said, take everything on an individual basis and try to just figure out, okay, you know, and again, you know, being on a single store basis, I'm not having as huge of a mix. So I think, you know, but, but the other problem we're running into is the haves and have nots, you know, you've got in our dairy market, we've got a lot of guys in that 250, 200 cow dairies that used to be really good guys to buy some of the, that 2012, 2013 stuff. Now they have no money. So trying to move that to the bigger guy doesn't seem to work either. So it's been tough. And I think what we've been trying to do is keep a pretty good log of where we got guys looking for stuff, trying to be really proactive to make sure that we're keeping a log and keeping a, keeping a database of, Hey, this guy was looking six months ago. That guy's looking now and trying to just kind of find homes for stuff. I, I don't, I would say I'm probably farthest away from a magic bullet that there is with some of that stuff. We're just trying to sift our way through and find out where we're at and what we can, where we can go. And I guess the biggest thing that we've been really trying to do is find, find some prospects and then get it, get some information in their hands when we got stuff that we're thinking about trading in because it's not as on the higher end as like as you're dealing with a lot of not having quite that many things to have to try to get rid of but at the same token it's just the same thing on a smaller scale so we'll get back to casey and chris in a moment but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible iron solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers dealers manufacturers ag retailers and service providers Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. We left off, when we left off, Casey and Chris were discussing how the down dairy market is making it hard 
to find customers for some used equipment because the 200 cow dairies, which used to buy five-year-old equipment, no longer have the money to do so. And the larger dairies aren't the right customer for that equipment. Now here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Aga Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Chris talk about their outlook for used equipment in 2019. They also get into how leasing is affecting their business in 2018 compared to 2017. So the area that, you, that you're up there in, um, where you're at, what, what's the overall used equipment inventories across all, all makes and all models, you know, out there. So you, all the dealerships that are out there, do you feel like there are equipments pretty heavy on lots or do you feel like there's some holes in, in inventories guys are looking to fill or do you feel like it's just kind of a, you know, easy, easy kind of going type feel right now? Not sitting horribly bad. I mean, we've got a couple higher end stuff that's, that's been a little bit, but not too bad. Um, from what I've seen from some of the other dealers, I would say for a while they weren't sitting real bad, and now it seems like there's a little more inventory out there again. Um, it, like you say, I think we've had a lot of haves and have-nots where you've had the bigger guys spending big dollars, and then the little, the, the, the medium-sized guys really not spending anything. So there's been a lot of bigger equipment sold and then some bigger equipment traded in where I think some of that that 150 to 100 to 200 horse tractors really haven't been traded in as much. And I think there's a gap in the market there by us anyway. It seems like that kind of tractor, there's still a market, a good market for where, you know, you guys might be a lot more big eights, nines, type of stuff like that. And we're kind of missing, I think, that little middle of the road market. But that being said, that middle of the road buyer too is is just sitting there with no money either. So it's 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 a it's a tougher market. But if I feel what we've been seeing is anything in that you know, you get 140 on down and there's been a market there across the country. And that's, it may not be local, but you get it on, get it online and there's guys calling about it. So there's pockets everywhere. It seems. What do you feel like is the hottest piece of equipment right now out there for you? What do you think the one thing that guys are like, you know what, man, this is a, I got a home for this pretty, pretty immediate. And then there's, I think what I've been seeing is if we have good 30 series tractors, okay. uh, 79, 30, 78, 30s, um, even, you know, 84, 10, 20s, 30s, 
that stuff's all been great. Problem is kids can't find them. Right. And the guys that have them don't want to get rid of them. Exactly. Yep. So that's been the issue. But if you have them, you got guys kind of fighting over those. I mean, I know a couple of guys locally I've been trying really hard to get him into an R because mm-hmm. I know he's got an 8410 and I got a handful of guys that could go to won't give it up. Yeah. Just just won't give it up because it's tough to replace. Right. So it's cheap horsepower. It really is. Yeah, very know? much so. I mean, you're, I mean, they're cheap to operate too. I mean, they're not really, a, they're pretty bulletproof. I mean, yeah, very much. As long as they don't have some kind of catastrophic failure. I mean, for the most part, they'll run forever, you know? Yeah, and they're that absolutely. That's what you've seen. And they're simple. Yeah, that makes a big difference yep. too. So, yeah. So, what's the one? What's the one piece of equipment that you're watching right now? One segment that you're watching right now that you have some concern about uh, moving into 2019? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's combines. I think combines are going to continue to be tough. Mm-hmm. What I see is like we got something there, and you want to try to move something on a newer end. The the problem is the market being so flooded with that. I mean, you turn around and look at a used S660 or an S670. There's so many of them out there that to try to move that new one, and the guy's got a 9770, just had a, a, a situation like this, and got a nice demo of 670, try to move. Should be good merchandise. But then he still looks at the gap of where a 9770 is to that S670 and says, well, yeah, but I, I can't pay that when I can go and pay half that for a nice used one with $500 on it. Mm-hmm. And I think until that market, that market starts to dry a little bit, it's going to be, a, it's going to be tough. Unless you can get a guy to want to buy something local all the time. It's hard for him to spend a hundred grand, $150,000 more to buy that new or slightly new piece in your area. When they can drive, when they can go over a place where someplace that's got 20 stores and they got 50, 60 combines sitting around and they got them all priced so much less. Yeah. I think that's, that's the gap I've been seeing. You know, you, you see guys that want to, you might spend $480,000 for a new 670. And then they're looking around saying, well, I can find a two-year-old one for 160. Well, tough for them to spend that extra money right now when it's not there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm concerned with. And then trying to explain to the guy that, Hey, your 9770 is worth here. And they're looking at it going, Oh my God, it can't, it's gotta be worth more than that. Well, it is only if you can find somebody to buy it for that. Right. So yep. I, I, those are tough. And I think the really, your eights, nines that are really low lowered. Again, that's another tough market because you've got to have a gap there or guys aren't going to do it. They're just not going to pull the trigger. Yep. So, and that's my anything has been tough. That's my fear with, with what I've been, that trend I've been following is that that gap between that 500 hour piece, that thousand hour, you know, tractor or that 750 hour combine or less. It's just a there's just a huge gap till you get to the next real collective population of, of machines, you know, and that's what yeah. I'm really worried about. And and then like you just just the scenario you laid out there, some guy comes in with a 9770 and he wants to buy a, a, a 2016 whatever, and all of a sudden you know hey it's going to cost you another 250 grand to do that or whatever the number is, you know, yeah. it's it's some shock to that. And there's there's a how do you get people to uh, really line up with that and, and understand that logic. Now, I think most guys out there, they've been watching the auction market. They've been watching the, they look at tractor house and fast line and, and machine repeat and all that stuff. They, and they've watched all that stuff and they've got all that knowledge. They, and they, oh, yeah. they know what it's worth. Um, because I get that all the time. I can go to the auction and buy this for that much. And I go, but yeah, okay, well, <laughs> go to the auction. Oh, and, <laughs> you know? and, and, and you know how that works on, on tractor house, everything else. Oh, yeah. They go ahead and they look at the, they look at the one that's that's the most, 
And they're like, well, how come I'm not getting that? Mm. But then when they're looking to buy, they're looking at the one that's the cheapest. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it can't win either way, but you know, <laughs> you're right. Yep. It's a, it's a fun game we play. That, that's for sure. Oh yes, that is yes, for sure. It certainly is. All right. So let's talk about 2019. Um, oh, let's talk about going through the rest of 2018. I have a pretty good, I'm kind of bullish about how the end of the year is going to going to fill up. I, I really feel like there's going to be a lot of activity between now and the end of the year, more probably so than we've seen, you know, from pre-harvest stuff till till now. I mean, I really feel like this this last month is going to be a, a, a rush to the door. Um, unfortunately, there's some uh, crop harvesting that's kind of lagging out there and getting guys to slow down and i mean there's just all kinds of things have happened this year whether it's what you know all weather related stuff so um but i do i do i do feel like there's going to be a a pretty good push to 2018 what's your feel for the end of the year and how do you see things shaping up yeah i I, we're kind of starting to see it a little bit um at this point i mean we're starting to see guys really starting to nose around a little bit but like you say there's been so much lag and getting crop work done that guys are finally getting done and now they're hitting the accountants and things like that. Problem being, I think that you're going to have, you're either going to have the guys that, that find out they've got a little bit of extra money. They're going to need to spend something and they're going to buy the stuff that they absolutely need. I just don't see too many luxury buys, you know, too many want buys. Oh, it's going to no. be a buy of, Hey, I need this and I've needed it for a while. Now I got to do it. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys maybe doing the, where it used to be where, Hey, I got to spend some money. I'm going to buy a new tractor. It might be a guy that comes up and says, Hey, my spreader finally blew up. Now I got to buy a new $50,000 spreader type thing like that. I, I don't, I don't know how big of, we've got some guys on some bigger equipment. Um, but it seems like it's such pockets and you, know, you got a few guys here and there that want, they're looking for something bigger. It depends what they do. It's not the dairy guys for sure. Um, but I think it'll be decent. I mean, it, it, but I, I'm with you. I kind of feel like guys are kind of just sitting on their hands a little bit. And they're doing some research. And then all of a sudden the last two weeks in December, they're going to be like, Oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. And it's going to be kind of quick and fast. And, you know, I, we'll take that too for the way it's been. We'll take whatever we can get when it comes yep. to that. So, yep. yep. So how has leasing affected you this in 2018 compared to 2017? We've done a lot more. I mean, we've had, we've been fortunate to have a market that's had, had a lot of old money, uh, frankly. I mean, we, years ago, we didn't even do that many notes. Guys are paying cash for everything. And then it started, you know, as this whole trend started, it was, it got into a lot of, okay, now guys are financing everything. It started to be more and more guys are financing more and more guys. And then all of a sudden leasing got really big for us again, where leasing really wasn't a huge deal in our area for quite a while. And now it's getting to be, you're, you're putting together, lease numbers on just about everything uh, to give guys an idea of, of where they're at. It just seems to be a more viable thing for some guys. Um, they can cut bait after three years if they want to or whatever. Um, but even have had a lot more used leases have always kind of been a little iffy to me, but now you got guys even looking at used leases and things like that too. So, but um, yeah, there's most pretty much everybody's been having to do some kind of financing of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So 2019, I feel like when I look at it, um, I think some spillover is going to go into January and February, um, especially if guys carry over a little bit of crop into, into those years and, and have some issues they're going to have to address. Um, again, it's going to come back to how, how much how much duct tape and bailing wire they've used over the last three years, and now they got to actually do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I feel like there's going to be some spillover in January and February. I don't think it's going to be anything like it was, you know, just like any other year. I really don't think it's going to be anything like it was the last month of the year. But 
Uh, I do feel like there's going to be some there. How do you feel about 2019, and and how do you see your your company kind of working and looking forward to 2019? Well, I mean, I think I think it's it's a it's a scenario where you're still seeing a lot of guys playing catch up. I mean, next year I don't I don't believe it's going to be a whole lot different than this year. I mean, maybe towards the end. Um, I think there's so many things hinging on whether it's going to you know, all this China stuff, all the other things that are going on is affecting so many outcome of some things. But I do think even if that gets resolved, you're still looking at a lag because people in this market have gotten so far behind. Right. And now maybe they, they start playing, and especially in the dairy market where guys have gotten that far behind. Now they're going to replace what they have to, but then they're also going to get caught up on bills. And I think once you see that gap close a little bit to, to getting the bills paid and maybe be able to replace a few things, then I think you'll see a more, more wholesale turnaround where guys are going to be on a more regular buying spree again. But I just, I don't see a whole lot of difference in 19 business wise for us. We've been pretty tame on inventory, trying to keep what we know, you know, has been hot and we'll sell it. Like you know, grain drills have been kind of good merchandise. Um, tractors are front three point PTOs have been good merchandise for us here. Triple Moors that kind of stuff we're trying to keep around because we know that's going to be something that's going to have to be replaced. But really other than that, we've been taking a pretty conservative approach on, on that end of things. Just, I think for another year yet, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you feel like there's been more of a traditional buying cycle have, has kind of come back into play? Do you feel like there's more guys looking at that combine for two or three years and that tractor for three to five years type of deal? Or do you feel like that's kind of starting to mold this way back in, or do you still feel it's kind of an as needed basis? I, I definitely think it's as, as needed yet right now. I, I, I don't see too many guys um, doing the, Hey, let's, 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 let's buy this machine. Let's worry about it. And let's, let's do a three-year turn or a two-year turn or whatever. Not many guys talking about that right now yet. I, I think it's, it's still, people are just real, real sheepish to get, to get too deep in anything right now yet. Yeah. How, how are extended warranties playing for you now? And you feel is that kind of a, a carte, carte blanche, just everybody gets it, Papa Dill, or is you still kind of a, some guys are rolling the dice still? Yeah, I, you know, we've been trying to make sure that we're, we push it on everything. I mean, uh, and explain to guys why it's necessary and why it's a good idea. I think, you know, when you get the guys spending that kind of money, what's another three, four grand on, you know, for a tractor to get power guard on it or whatever. It's not, I think most of the guys are doing it. You still get some guys though that, you know, you're in on deals and then, if you price it in there, you're going to put it in there right away. They, they notice there's a difference in price from the next guy. So you got to be careful to, to not just, you won't get it if you're just putting it in there. But um, I think more guys are understanding it's a necessity and they're finding out how, especially like on the deer end of things, how they like to handle things. If you do have power guard and the benefits you can have, even if you're outside of it just a little bit. So I, I think we've been real proactive to try to make sure that we're pushing it on every deal. Do everybody, does everybody take it on every deal? No, but it's a lot more, it's a lot heavier take rate, I think, than it had been years past. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to anybody listening to this right now about where, where you see things going and, and some of the stuff that you're kind of up against and how you're handling those? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think the biggest thing right now is just really, I, I think what we've been finding out is it's just, we've got to do the research on it. We've been really pounding it into our sales guys' heads that, sell me on it. You know, I mean, I'm probably not telling you anything that you don't, that you haven't seen already, but I've been really been adamant on guys taking videos, taking, um, doing a lot of different things that maybe in the past you'd get away with not doing. And now I'm like, you need to do it because I need to see, cause we, we get this thing in here. 
we can't have a $5,000 hiccup on a repair that we didn't think was there. And I I think that, that extra money that you got to put into something is something you're not getting out of it. So you got to be careful. And I think my big, my big play right now is to watch all this high over stuff that's going to enter the market. I think at some point in time and be extremely careful because you know, damn well right now, there's been a lot of duct tape and paper clips, like you're saying, holding a lot of things together. We know it. Now you got to make sure you look at it because otherwise you're going to get it back and you're going to be stuck with some, probably some junk you don't want to have. Yeah. So you gotta be, I think that's, that's the, my problem that I see in the market right now is guys have waited longer than normal to trade stuff in. And now we gotta be careful. Yep. No, I, I agree. We had a combine just the other day that very scenario happened. I, I budgeted about 13,000 or 15,000 bucks worth of recon in there. And, and we were, God bless me and the, and the other guys that did that and put that in there, but we were still $5,000 short and it wasn't like, Oh, well, we're going to go out and we can, we can bicker with the service guy and get it, get it, knocked down a little it was legitimately needed to be done like there was no way around it so yeah uh, it's it's one of those surprises that kind of jump up and kick you in the face and and you know there's probably some processes there that we need to put in place to 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 imagine to keep that going the way it needs to be but you know it is what it is and you got to move on so yeah absolutely it happens to everybody all right well chris we've been going for a little bit here man and i appreciate you being on the podcast uh if guys wanted to reach out to you and and pick your brain or ask you a question or maybe uh buy that that demo combine from you how would they do that yeah absolutely <laughs> anytime how would they how would they reach you um easy way to get a hold of me is uh you can reach me on twitter at at iceman 34 at twitter um or you can reach me at uh, my email, it's, which is C-E-I-S, and it's at iceimplementinc.com. So iceimplementinc.com, and that's E-I-S. Right on. All right, Chris, wait, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and we will catch you down the road, buddy. Thanks, Casey and Chris. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash askthexpert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode when Casey and Damian Mason of the Business of Agriculture podcast sit down to talk. For Casey and Chris, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.